And thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast from Connect Church. We'd like to invite you to join us in person at 1101 West Grand in Ponca City, Oklahoma, or on Facebook Live. Go to connectchurchpc.com to learn more about how we are helping people connect every day. We are a people, connected people, all in God's love. a struggle and say, man, how are we ever going to get through this? And that, that's, let me tell you, that is what Easter is all about. In fact, that is what Sunday is all about. Every time we get together on Sunday, we choose to worship God on Sunday because that is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And so every Sunday we're coming together, we're saying, happy resurrection. It's like the hugest, biggest joke that God played on the devil. Because the devil thought he'd won. So there's Martha. She sent word to Jesus, hey, my, my brother's sick, and, and if you can come and, and do what you do, he'll get better. If you read along in John chapter 11, what did Jesus do? Absolutely nothing. He hung out for two more days, teaching, and they're like, hey, aren't you going to go see Lazarus? And here's what Jesus said. All this has happened so the Son of God might be glorified. And then we jump to the scene. We'll get back. Put a bookmark in Lazarus' story. But let's jump forward to Jesus hanging on the cross. As he hung there, struggling to breathe, and every breath he took hurt because he would, he would collapse down and his arms would raise up and his rib cage would collapse together. So every single breath hurt. His heart was pounding out of his chest. And what does Jesus say? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you ever felt forsaken? Have you ever felt forgotten about? He said, hey, what about me? And this is the story we, we jump into. You see, Martha's feelings ended up shifting shortly after Jesus arrived, but once a person feels the sting of being forsaken, even if misplaced, one does not forget that sensation. You see, shortly after Jesus did, arrived, what did he do? Well, let, let's read in the Scripture what he says he did. In John chapter 11, Verses 17 through 44. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, 
I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, and, who, and though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she said this, he went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. When Jesus, who had been with Mary in the house comforting, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached a place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. You think about God crying. When we go through tough stuff, do we ever think that God cries for us? But it says it right there. John eleven thirty five, 35. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not have opened the eyes of the blind men and kept him from dying? Jesus once more moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave of, with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, by this time, the bat, there's a bad order and has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always would hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off his grave clothes and let him go. There's so many things that happen inside of us. When bad things happen, when good things happen, the stuff that we push down overflows out of our mouth. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 34. He said, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. Have you ever been around someone that when bad things happen, they just say things and later they have to come back and say, hey, I'm sorry I said that? Ever been around those? Anyone here ever been involved with Little League Baseball and had a dad come up to you and say something? How about, how about basketball? And you're like, dude, I can't believe you just said that to me. But why? Because it's overflowing of what is deep down inside of them. It's what's keeping it down there. And, and God says at some point, whatever you're tucking down inside you is going to overflow. Martha and then Mary both said, Lord, had you been here, this would not have happened. You ever feel that with God? Hey, God, if you were really doing what you're supposed to be doing, I wouldn't be going through X, Y, or Z. You ever get angry with God and say, God, what's going on here? Here's what I want you to know. Hey, you guys ever seen the classic Christmas movie, A Christmas Story? 
Those are great. Every year they, they show it. TBS shows it for 24 hours a day on Christmas Day. And in that movie, there's this little boy, Ralphie, and, and Ralphie's coming of age, and he wants a Red Ryder Red River BB gun, right? That's all he wants for Christmas. And so you're walking through this entire story leading up to Christmas, and they're coming back after he had just got done seeing Santa Claus and mumbling through it and asking him for the Red Ryder BB gun, and they get a flat tire. I want you guys to watch this scene with us. For one brief moment, I saw all the bolts silhouetted against the lights of the traffic, and then they were gone. Oh, fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. I said the word, the big one, the queen mother of dirty words, the F-dash-dash-dash word. What did you say? Uh, that's what I thought you said. It was all over. I was dead. What would it be? The guillotine hanging, the chair, the rack, the Chinese water torture? <laughs> Mere child's play compared to what surely awaited me. Ready to tell me? Where did you hear? Well, I had heard that word at least ten times a day from my old man. My father worked in profanity the way other artists might work in oils or clay. It was his true medium, a master. What? I chickened out, and I blurted out the first name that came to mind. Schwartz! Oh, I see. His dad had sewn into him these words. The words that we use to our kids, it, it sows into them what is okay to say. And so in the moment of angst, the queen mother of all dirty words came out. You see, every day we say blessings and curses over our kids. Every single day. Every single day we, we sow into them the blessings of God or we sow into them the curses of, of manhood. But we sow into our kids every single day what are we sowing into them? Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what he's talking about. Whatever you sown in there. So what was the overflow of Jesus' heart on the cross? This is what he says, Matthew 27, 46. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabbatane, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Come straight from the Old Testament. This is a psalm of David, and, and he was in angst, and he's crying out. In fact, probably every little Jewish boy learned this song growing up and would sing it at times of distress or would sing as a prayer to God. And in Psalm 22.1, David says, My God, my God, why are you forsaking me? Why are you so far from saving me? Why so far are my words from my groaning? He's like, I'm hurting God, and I can't seem to find you anywhere. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that, that dark spot where you're like, man, I am so far away, and it feels like God has rejected me. It feels like God doesn't understand, and all this stuff is going on. What was the overflow of Martha's heart? 
in John 11, 21 and 22, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. You can kind of get a, a sense here in Martha's heart, the seeds that were sown. First of all, she says, Jesus, where were you? Honest question. Sometimes we, we think that we have to put on pretenses before God. We can't be honest with God and say, God, where are you? But you know what? God loves honesty. And we simply say, God, where are you? It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to get the answer I want, but that's where we start with God. God, where are you? She said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have gotten sick. Everything would be a-okay. Everything would be awesome. We'd be up there eating lunch, having bonbons. It would be a glorious day. But Jesus stayed longer. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, um, certain people had told Jesus if he came back to Jerusalem, they would kill him. And so they're like, you want us to head back there? In fact, it was so funny. One of the disciples said to Jesus, when he said, hey, it's time for us to go see Lazarus, one of the disciples said, sure, let's go die now. You talk about encouragement. You ever had that friend that always says, yeah, it's all going to be bad now. But that's what came out. There's a faith healer of a deal who said, although pain isn't real, if I sit on a pin and it punctures my skin, I dislike what I don't feel. You ever been around those people? As long as you don't think it and, and, and accept it, it's not, it's not real. It's not actually there. But pain is very real. In Psalm 22, 1 and 2, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I have no rest. David saying, I cry all day. At night, I can't even rest. When are you going to understand the pain I'm going through? Renoir was a famous French artist who lived in the 19th century, into the early 20th centuries. And toward the end of his artistic career, he had a debilitating arthritis that it hurt so much, even the hold of paintbrush. And yet, through his pain, he would sit there and he would paint these beautiful watercolors. One of his friends came up to him and said, hey, why don't you stop painting? You can tell that you're in so much pain to hold it. Why don't you just sit back? If you reach that age in life where you just sit back and enjoy art. Maybe your art is more about contemplation. Maybe your art is more about other stuff. And this is what he said. The pain will pass away ultimately, but the beauty of character that it would produce in me will remain. Every time we face pain, we have two options. To shrink away from it, or to accept it and push right on through. Running is a great way to experience pain. And if you're doing it right. I see people out there running, I'm like, yeah, they're, not, they're not doing it right because they, they, at some point you've got to push yourself. Now, right now, at, at the level of fitness I am, when I run, I don't experience any pain at all. But I'm not pushing myself. I'm just saying, hey, I know this is when I'm going to run. My, my uh, mile splits are about two, second, two minutes off what they should be. 
and I'll come home and Terry will say, hey, how was your mile split? I'm like, let's not talk about it. We're not even going to talk about it. I'm slow. But I know this. If I am training and developing to go in the competition, and I've got to knock two, maybe three minutes off of my splits, that's where the pain starts to work. So many times when we see pain, whatever it might be at work, um, relationships, our vertical relationship with God, we just get to the level of comfortability. We're like, I'm not going to push anymore. I'm comfortable. I like where I am. But here's what James, the brother of Jesus, says about pain. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work out so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. To be mature and complete, consider it pure joy when you experience pain. No. We don't want to experience, consider it joy. We don't want to experience pain. We want to be free from this pain. That's not what God is calling us to do. We have this distorted perception. We rarely stop the search for the hand of God in the midst of pain. We just want a release from it. And we're like, God, I want out. You know, as a church, we've experienced loss this year, haven't we? We've experienced heartache. We've experienced grief. And, and at times, we just say, I want out. And we reach over and start tapping out, saying, I'm ready to give up. That's not what God has called us to do. Tell me, it's easy to give up. In fact, sometimes it feels better to give up than to push through. Disappointment in life is inevitable. Pain is, a, is the common lot. Sorrow is not given to us alone that we may mourn. It is given to us having felt suffered, wept. We may be able to understand love. Through pain we understand how much God loves us. Now I seem crazy like, man, I could use a little bit less of love right now. But through that, we understand the graciousness of God, the mercy of God, how God goes before us. And there are so many times in our lives where we say, you know what, I, I've, I've had it. I, I've, I've had enough pain. I've had enough suffering. I just want to experience the pure joy that we're supposed to get. Sometimes we, we sugarcoat Christianity. And we say, man, when you become a Christian, everything is great. Roses are red, violets are blue. It's awesome. And you never have any troubles, never have any problems ever again. I've never discovered that with being a Christian. You know what I've discovered? I have just as many problems as I did before, except I'm not walking there alone. I'm not going about this journey on my, on my own. God is there with me. So here's what Martha says. She goes, had you been here, Jesus, none of this would have happened, but I still believe in you. I still believe in you. She goes, even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. You talk about a faith. You talk, we're talking about entering into this expectant faith where we just ask God bold things. Mark Patterson says, God doesn't, doesn't shirk away from bold prayers. He loves bold prayers. He calls us to be bold prayers. Abraham in the Old Testament was a bold prayer when he prayed over Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Daniel was a bold prayer when they told him not to pray anymore. They were going to cast him in the lion's den. He went and prayed anyway. Sometimes we've got to pray dangerous prayers. Sometimes we've got to pray bold prayers. Sometimes we've got to put ourselves out there. Because it's being out there on the front lines where we might get shot the most, but we experience the most glory. There's an old, old movie called Dances with Wolves. It came out in the uh, early 1990s. I know, you guys are laughing because you're like, I've never heard of this movie before. <laughs> it's on Netflix right now, so you can go home and watch it. But there's an opening scene in there where Kevin Costner is going to have his, his foot cut off. He's like, I'm not going to do this. Breaks off a stick, puts it in his mouth, pulls his boot back on through agonizing pain, goes to the front line, rides a horse in front of the opposing people twice, and they're shooting at him. Miraculously, he doesn't get hit by a bullet, but I guess if he did, it kind of would have messed up with the storyline. Gets promoted. You see, had he had not put himself in harm's way, he never would have been decorated in the Civil War. When we... When we put ourselves out there for God, we're saying, I'm putting myself out there. We kind of need spiritual attack, but you know what? God is bigger than the enemy. And so we, even though we go out there, even though it, it comes on to us and feels like it's so big and so enormous, God's still there and God's still working. Martha still had courageous faith in the power of God through Jesus. She says this, God will give you whatever you ask. When we pray, do we pray in such a way of God will give us whatever we ask? It tells us in the Bible that God will give us the desires of our heart, but the problem is, is that the desires of our heart don't match up with the desires of God's heart, and so through prayer, we truly get to understand what the heart of God is, and we fall into alignment with it. John Wesley once said, give me 100 men who love nothing but God and hate nothing but sin, and I will shake the whole world for Christ. What could God do if we just gave him our all? I'll tell you something. The, the toughest thing for the Daniel fast with me is my lack of coffee. Everyone said this morning, they said, wow, you seem so slow and so subdued. I am. I mean, the coffee, like, it like ignites my soul. But the question is, do I want coffee or do I want to see God do great things? Although, just so you know, there will be coffee in heaven. But I want to see God do great things. In December 1944, the German army launched an unexpected attack that was going to become known as the Battle of the Bulge. You guys ever heard of the Battle of the Bulge? Back in... Uh, 2011, I did a funeral for a gentleman who fought in the Battle of the Bulge. But it was more than just one battle. We, sometimes when we read in school, we're like, oh, it's just one battle, Battle of the Bulge. Now I've hit that age where I, too, am fighting the Battle of the Bulge. <laughs> who said that? <laughs> Somebody agreed. That was not even cool. That's why I'm wearing a girdle right now. Thank you very much. And you think I'm joking, I really am. But the Battle of the Bulge was actually 
Hundreds of little battles across all these unnamed bridges throughout Europe. And there would be one or two guys there. And the Germans would fight back. The Nazis would fight back. They'd go pew, 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 pew. They'd just shoot at them. And and creating all kinds of problems. And that was the battle. And so they had to fight bridge by bridge, inch by inch. That was the battle of the bulge. So many times we think that God, in order for God to move, it's got to be something big, but sometimes God whispers into us. I think of Elijah when he was praying to God, and he said, God, where are you? You called me to be a prophet, and I'm out here being tortured, and you are nowhere to be found. And then the earth shook, but God was in the earthquake. And then fire fell, but God wasn't in the fire. But then what happened? There was a still, small voice. A whisper, and God was in the whisper. Hundreds of small battles daily, being on our knees daily, praying to God daily, committing our lives over to Him daily, turning our minds, our hearts toward Christ daily. That's what God is calling us to do. A young girl in Colombia received a, a New Testament, and she took it home. She was so proud to receive it, she started reading through it. Her dad came in. He goes, what are you doing with that book? And he snatched it away from her. She goes, Papa, Papa, please let me finish reading it. I've only gotten a little bit into Papa, Papa, please let me finish reading it. He goes, no, I will not let you read this book. And he stuffed in his pocket. And he goes, there is no God, and I, won't, I don't want any talk of God in my house. And he went off. And he went to the coal mine, and there was a cave in that day. And her Papa was in the coal mine. For 30 days, they dug through rubble. They finally got to where her papa was. They found him dead, along with 30 other men, all dead. But in her papa's hand was clutching that New Testament. And on the back page of that New Testament was a prayer to ask Jesus to come in and take ownership of his life. And all 30 men, including her papa, signed it. And on the front cover, He wrote a note to his daughter. He said, always read the New Testament. God is very real. I will see you in heaven. There's power in the word of God. Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. Sometimes our pain is to glorify God. Sometimes what we go through is to glorify God. There's a book that talks about the theology of pain. And in this book, the author writes, we cannot believe the pain of God unless, he, unless it is his revelation. Man's thought can never produce such truth. The Japanese author explains in his book that when we sin, we not only break our relationship with God, but we also cause God pain. It pains God to extend wrath on us, but it also costs God everything to extend grace on us. You see, God's desire is not that any should perish. God doesn't want anybody to be completely separated from him. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's not his desire. His desire is that we would accept his grace and go to heaven. And in order for that to happen, Jesus had to pour out his life 
and die on a cross. See, our sin causes God pain, and God is holy and just, and therefore a sacrifice needed to be made, and that sacrifice was Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. In fact, Jesus precedes the creation of the world because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all there at creation. Jesus Christ was never created. And that uncreated one, who is God, took on human frailties and human flesh so that we could be made right with God. So here's the connection. God doesn't remove pain from our lives. He walks through pain with us. So whatever pain you've experienced, no matter loss you have, you are not alone. You know, when I, when I think about, um, I had a funeral this week, and funerals always make me contemplate life. Not like life and death, but contemplate, am I making a difference? But here's what I always know. Here, here's the thing. God knows what it's like to lose a loved one. Do you know that he sat on his throne in heaven and watched his son, Jesus Christ, crucified and die? Do you know what happened shortly after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? The Pharisees and the Sadducees got together and said, hey, we need to kill Lazarus. Can you imagine? A great miracle just happened, and then now they put a price tag on your head? Why did they do that? They thought, well, if he can raise him, what's the next thing he can do? You know what the next thing was that Jesus did that was amazing? Jesus Christ himself rose from the grave on a Sunday morning. And so every time we gather together, we are saying, Christ the Lord is risen. Isn't that awesome? That's what God has called us to understand, that he is alive. Would you pray with me, church? Dear God, I just thank you for this day that we are able here, God, to, to come before you, to worship you, God, to know what you are doing. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would continue to pour out your blessings, pour out your mercy upon us. Help us as a church, God, to not be content with evil and sin winning the day, that we would take your message out there. We would see people come to faith in you, God, that we'd see lives changed. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.